0: All right, guys, welcome back. Continuing on our Force of Change initiative, this is part three of the star chart. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast. So, um, last two sessions, uh, we had talked about, uh, in part one, it was the performance and potential. That's where we mm-hmm. talked about our star players and backbones and such. Part two was clarity and consistency. That's where mm-hmm. we talked about star leaders and procedural failures and such. This week, of course, kind of the third part of our star chart, which is kind of the final axis for us, um, is then confidence and competence, mm-hmm. um, These two things are related in a way that um, I think often goes unnoticed, uh, meaning I think a lot of people, um, you know, they think you can't have one and the other. But I would say if we go just by actual definition on this paper, so let's at least just start there. So confidence is a self-perceived attribute um, and typically a function of one's assurance in their own abilities or trust in their own ability to sort of, you know, execute, execute an order effectively um, or sort of the conviction to perform uh, in the face of doubt. So confidence is just really more of kind of a self perceived attribute, whereas competence is like your actual ability to do it. Mm -hmm. So uh, the actual ability is then sort of effectively executing policies and procedures and minimizing doubt through successful execution So I think what I um, see a lot of the times is sort of the disparity in that where I know somebody can do something. Mm -hmm. And uh, this kind of plays into our first definition of star mentor, which um, I'm way more of a mentor than I am as a leader, which we kind of talked about in last session is Mm -hmm. mentors kind of lead from behind. uh, Leaders kind of lead out from the front and take charge. Mm -hmm. So for me, what I often assume is uh, let's kind of take that scenario of a new hire um, or mentee or what have you where you expect them to have, because they're starting out, is that they have low performance but very high potential. Mm -hmm. Well, part of that potential comes exclusively from competence. So as a mentor, it's saying like, well, no, I believe that you have the potential to execute this task effectively. Because I know that you are competent in this, that yep. you can effectively do it. Um, but I think what, as a mentor, what we often battle. That um, I don't want to necessarily say that leaders struggle with, um, but I would say that it's a much more natural trend with mentors to try to work on people's confidence, uh, whereas a leader, you're trying to get them to focus on clarity and consistency. Mm-hmm. So with leaders, it's like, no, this is how you do it, and we should be doing it the same way, and I'll show you how to do it, and we'll kind of do this together and move forward together. Um, but sometimes when you start to have them this battle between competence and confidence, that's where your mentors really come. Come into it, mm-hmm. um, and when you look at our creating accountability diagram, is that again mentors are defined as individuals providing encouragement and support to the creator as a resource. Mm-hmm. So again, that's when I when I feel like I'm working with either the new hires or mentees or whatever, and you're looking at this problem child, as long as they're in that fulfilled problem child category is you can build confidence, uh, through the repeated successful action of competence. So as long as mm-hmm. they keep doing things coming into the leader side, they're doing those things consistently. They're clear on what they're doing is they're going to become more confident, Um, but again, by definition, when you look at the mentor, is a mentor is someone who has high confidence and high competence. Um, Star mentors exhibit a high level of confidence in their abilities, and they are highly successful in executing those abilities. Star mentors know they can do the job, and they know they can do it well, whether they are actively or passively guiding others, star mentors often become the standard to which others aspire. So it's, again, it's kind of a, a different way, you know, to talk about how we're bringing the team together. Um, but that's where just, again, for me as an individual, I naturally trend towards just high confidence and high competence. It doesn't mean that I've always been that way. I would say that, again, what we often see kind of early on in the beginning, I would say when I, when I first got out, probably, you know, well, Fifteen years ago, um, is that uh, we saw a lot more role risks. Um, in today's world, we see a lot more cultural risks, and we'll kind of define these yeah. out. But the idea is when you start talking about role risks and cultural risks, we're kind of flip-flopping whether it's someone who has high competence and low confidence, or high confidence and low competence. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the jack of all trades is sort of what I interpret as being as a role risk. You know, master of none; they can sort of, you know just feel they can jump in and do everything, you know? And so again, as we kind of move through this chart and kind of move down the line, um, you know, the the thing that I often find as a big struggle is that we have the skill set to do something, mm-hmm. especially with your fulfilled problem children, is that you should have the potential potential um, you have high potential because you have high competence, but we consistently struggle with confidence. Mm -hmm. It's just get out there and do it. Just, you can do this, just get out there and do it. Yeah. You know, how can I help you get out there and do it? And really, honestly, it all comes down at least in my experience, is It's just consistency. You just, Mm -hmm. they have to do it enough times to be able to do it consistently well. And then the confidence goes up with that. When when I was
1: um, coaching, I, for those that aren't aware, I was a, bowling coach for years quite some time um what i would always tell these high school kids is um you have a dichotomy of two variables one being uh confidence and one being success Success is a, a an amalgamation of confidence and consistency, or competence and consistency. Yep. Um, and you only can control one. So again, in the in the sporting world, that's why I love it as a, a learning mechanism. Is um, you actually have no control over success because you are you have uh, the competition. Yeah. Um, and you will not win every single time. Um, but you can always be confident in what you're doing. Uh, that was, um, something that I was probably like my entire, I actually became almost the entire focus when I was coaching, because as long as the team and the individuals that were on that team are confident in their ability as to what they were doing, um, they would perform at a much higher level yes, because they would just believe in what was happening because yep. you, you loosen up, you you lose yep. that, um, you know, that, that sense of, I don't belong here or whatever that might be. And, um, once they had that mindset, they also learned a hell of a lot faster absolutely, um, be, because we weren't going over the basics over and over and yep. over again because like, cause it's like, when you don't have confidence, you can't really get away from fundamentals yep. because you lose fundamentals. Yep. And if you don't have fundamentals, you have to focus on them. Yep. And so we would really focus heavily on this mindset first, um, and then kind of build off of that. And it was always something that we had to recycle on because because yep. some days you just get absolutely kicked in the teeth, yep. and it's something that you do have to work on, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be competent. Um, Yeah. Like, yes, you want to have both. And once you have both, then you can really push that out into others. Um, But, but focus for me, focusing heavily on confidence, especially in the highly competitive environment. And I would argue that our industry is also highly competitive, even if it is one versus themselves. Um, that being able to maintain a high level of confidence um, and having effective measures to make sure that you are continuing to be competent um, is really the only way to balance it. But the individual really has to focus on their own confidence.
0: Oh, <clears throat> no, almost exclusively. So yeah. that is where the struggle is and always has been for most veterinary professionals yeah. is in confidence. And I mean, we're, we're you know, a very, very hyper focused group. I mean, if mm-hmm. most veterinary schools are taking the top 10% of applicants, it's not like the 10 top or the t- top 10% of classes, is of applicants. Yeah. So we're talking about this very tapered group of people who are really cutthroat to get into veterinary school. Mm-hmm. And then you have this top 10%, which now becomes your new 100%. Mm-hmm. So now we have all of these, you know, 100 people together. Well, they're already the top of the top, mm-hmm. but now we're still going to sort of like break these people out into being like, well even though you're like super intelligent for getting in here, there's someone clearly better than you. And we're going to rate that based on what your grades are, you know, and then based on your grades, well, I'm a two point student, I'm a four point student. Well, obviously they're smarter than I am. Yeah, but you're smarter than 90% of the other people who didn't get in or didn't even have come close yeah. to even applying. So yep. there's ways in which as we go through our education system that it is very cutthroat. But what it does is you have these little built-in things, these little these little things that start to really challenge your confidence as you go along the way. And it's yep. subtly. It starts out with GPA. Yeah. Yeah. So as you start to kind of come into this mindset, and that's where for me when I got into veterinary school, I'm like, I made it right. Like I'm I'm here. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) I I, I worked my butt off to get to this one point and me, I coasted right to graduation. Yeah. So that was not a attribute that (laughs) the veterinary school or my colleagues (laughs) thought to be a positive attribute. But what that came from was confidence. It was like, I'm here. I did it. Anything you throw at me, I can do if I try hard enough to do it. Um, So that's why kind of leading into this next point of what a role risk is. So a role risk is someone who has, and that's why I said for most of my life, I was described as a, as a very, um, Uh, role risk, Mm -hmm. because role risk is someone who has high confidence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Role risks exhibit um, sort of this high level of confidence in their abilities, but they have low competence, meaning they're going to struggle with the success of executing those abilities. Role risks can be very dangerous because they'll often think highly of their own skill set, but lack the vision of their own shortcomings. Mm -hmm. In a clinical setting, role risks are detrimental to patient care, and in administrative settings, role risks perpetuate inefficient process Mm -hmm. so you don't want to be stuck in the role risk category so really what i would say as a new hire standpoint is you really want a role risk problem child so you want someone who has you know uh, and again we assume they're going to have high competence but you really want them to have sort of this high confidence side Mm -hmm. Um, so they're just going to jump in and do it and really when you have the detriment of a role risk it's when individuals are unwilling to learn
1: yeah yeah.
0: So that's where, like I said, I, I defined myself as a roller risk for many years. But it's I was never unwilling to learn a skill set. I had challenges within equine medicine. That's a different story. Um, But uh, when we look at sort of that role risk category, um, that's why, like I said, we're kind of in a a situation now where we're leaning into having more cultural risks because we're as a whole, as a standard, as a hierarchy and learning in sort of this environment that is, quote unquote, putting us in our place and sort of making, you know, stratas out based on grades and all these other things and now the industry on who's smarter and specialists and people with experience and people with no experience um, is we're starting to challenge confidence more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like you said, from, uh, from a success standpoint mm-hmm. in consistency and competency is sort of then what is breeding success. It's like, well, if you don't have the confidence side, if that isn't there, like you said, it's not just being stuck in fundamentals, mm-hmm. but you have a substantially more difficult Job in mm-hmm. actually learning. Yeah. Um, I would say that, and comparably, I mean, not to kind of rush through these, but kind of moving into that cultural risk category. Cultural risk is kind of the opposite of a role risk. Mm-hmm. So, cultural risk is someone who has low confidence. And high competence. So it's uh, cultural risks struggle with the confidence in their abilities, um, but have, um, you know, they are highly successful in executing those abilities. So this is why, like I said, for me, what I've kind of found is, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, there's kind of been this shift more into a compromise of confidence Mm -hmm. like and that's again for me as a new hire most new hires are going to come in as cultural risks meaning most of them have the ability to do the job they're just significantly lacking in confidence um because it's it's really tough. It's really tough to teach confidence is what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where, like I said, it comes in a consistency and competency. But as I've seen more and more students, more and more individuals, more and more new hires moving over to this kind of low confidence category, um, it substantially inhibits their ability to learn mm-hmm. um, or at least learn long term. Uh, but then also we call it a cultural risk because it significantly will start to impact the team.
1: Well, that's your imposter syndrome, people. Absolutely. So if, if, you know, considering that and learning in a weird way that imposter syndrome is actually much larger than our industry, although it is highly prevalent in the veterinary world for that, you know, the the education system is kind of perpetuating it and it's um, kind of. On purpose, but also not. Yeah. Where it's like they have to be really selective. So it's like the yeah. processes in which yeah. they're generating this reaction is like they're genuine, but it's also like a, an unfortunate um, side effect, essentially.
0: It, yeah. No, I, I think that and I don't mean to interrupt, but oh, I think good. that's a very good distinction. It's not that we're saying the education system is the persecutor to these victims. Right. That's that's right. not the point. It's that you're exactly right. That's where it starts mm-hmm. is we come in with this very highly competitive, and that's why I said all of this confidence and competence is so much on the individual. Mm-hmm. Confidence is de- de- defined as the self-perceived attribute. Mm-hmm. So it's self-worth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, that's where, again, you're exactly right. It's not to say that the education system is at fault. It's just that's where it starts to creep into your brain brain mm-hmm. that's where it really starts and then of course poisons your brain through most of your career if you allow it to you if, you, yeah, if you yeah
1: and, and if if you don't take um deliberate and consistent steps to eliminate that it will beat you, yeah. Um, and then ultimately, it will beat those that are around you. Yeah. Uh, one of the things um, that I've kind of theorized, and I I'm, I know that there's books on it. I just don't know what they are. It's it's too easy of a concept for it to not exist. Is is the concept of emotional currency? Confidence is the thing that's going to dictate that. So essentially, yeah. you you walk into a room with you know, three units or whatever it is. Um, And depending on how you walk into the room, you will either put into basically what everyone can pull out of, or you will take from the the central pot. Um, And the more confident you are, the less you're taking away from other people. Um, which again, I I just think about it theoretically as essentially put in more than you take. um, And over time it will pay dividends and and your team will be better off for it. Cause if you need one, you've already put in so much, they'll be more than happy to Mm -hmm. give to you and vice versa. Um, You're all there to work together, but if you have a, if you're consistently low confidence and people are having to continuously feed you with affirmation, even though you're high competence, yeah, it's like a part like that gets to the reaction of like, dude, just get over yourself. You're good at this. Correct. Like, just, yeah. just stop. Yeah. Like, stop and have some perspective. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's, and that actually then becomes sort of what they seek. Yeah, you know, is is when you and that's why again we call this a cultural risk is because like you really want that you want people just to tell you how good you are at things. Uh Yeah, so it It feels good. It's a yeah, it's a it's it's a a comfortable place that people can sit Mm -hmm. inappropriately. Yes. So and it's and if it's a short term thing, you know, you have a. You know, you have a case that really rocks you. I'm, I'm, I'm good at doing surgery and I have this one surgery that goes bad. Now my confidence is shook. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it, what I have often found that even in circumstances where I'm talking with a new hire a mentee or what have you, where there was a mistake made on a case, mm-hmm. um, is that once I have a discussion about all of the other like extenuating circumstances and variables that would have led to this case's failure... Mm-hmm. I would say almost exclusively pulls the doctor and veterinarian out of the mm-hmm. equation almost entirely. Yeah. You know, it, with, with the exception of a deliberate knowledgeable act of negligence, which no one has. Right. You know, so when you right. kind of, and that's where again, our case reviews come into it and our after action reports come into it is it's like, if you start to look at, All of these other variables, and that actually came when we just had this after action here within the last week or what have you, people thought they were going into it for just one problem. And once we finally start to sit down and talk about this stuff and where were the issues? Where was the, you know, where was the fault? How did we fail? What is the accountable events? And it's like, wow, this is actually much bigger than I thought it was. This wasn't exclusively something that had to do with me. As you see these sort of conf, you know, confidence issues just sort of melt away. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the, one of the, one of the powers of the after action is uh, you, you kind of talk about is that uh, I am Spartacus moment. So yep. it's as you start to assume more responsibility and saying, I am the one who's responsible for this. And I tried and I failed, but I learned from my mistake. That's almost equally as empowering Mm -hmm. where now it's like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Yep. No problem. I learned from that. And that's where I think all of this comes from is as you start to make this turn and these different types of risks is it's all one's perception of ability to learn. And I think that's where your role risks are much more likely to learn than your cultural risks. Um, Mm -hmm and if again a they part- at least have a
1: Greater propensity to learn faster.
0: Yes, because your because your your role risks being high confidence. They just lack competence, right? So they're just learning the skill set, right? Whereas if you have someone with already a high skill set, it's super hard to learn how to be confident.
1: It's it's easy to teach tangible skill set. Yes. <laughs> it's really <laughs> difficult to teach mindset. Yes, you. I, you know, I think we talked about it in session two of this. Right? It's like you can't really teach hunger. Yep. Confidence is. Going to be closely knit with hunger or desire. Um, But it, like, your role risks, although it it, it kind of runs us into that, like, they can also be really dangerous because they're going to be, um, you're not going to see the competence risk as fast. Um, Now, if you have a global risk, which is low confidence, low confidence, they're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Because the low confidence is going to give you pause um, as as someone who is observing what's happening. And you're going to just naturally have a closer eye on what they're doing if they are, in fact, low competence as well, yeah. um, that, that that's gonna be one that's relatively easy to identify. So again, you're gonna have a global risk has no confidence in their ability to execute a task and, or self-fulf- or, and self-fulfill that lack of confidence by also unsuccessfully executing the task. So basically, it's a yeah. uh, story that wrote its own end. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> and then also- I'm going they, to do bad, then you do bad. Right, yeah. right. Uh, Self-fulfilling prophecy, that's the word I was looking for. And they also have innate barriers preventing a growth mindset and will often, in, often interpret failure as a reprimand rather than an opportunity for growth. Um, so a lot of times that's going to be a trained mechanism. Uh, that's one of the big reasons why here we have a hard time hiring people that have worked in previous clinics. Yeah. Uh, they, it's, it's something that generally speaking they'll come pre-installed with from, yeah. from other workplaces. Um, yep. But going back up to the, the role risk, uh, those are the ones that are going to walk into the room and they're going to say they know how to do something really, really well. And you're going to be like, perfect. Here's that exact scenario, right? And then their hands just lock up, right? And they don't know what they're doing, yeah. Um, and, and it, you can it's easy to throw that person into a scenario where they can fail in a way that is detrimental to uh, the, the overall mission of what you're trying to do, yep. um, and you won't see it coming. Um, thankfully, we haven't had too much experience with that. Um, well, it, it happens,
0: it's part of the hiring process, though. So, you know, yeah. again, I think what we're kind. I said earlier on in this in this portion was saying that like your problem child or your problem children are the ones that have high potential and low performance um is it's really kind of coming into saying like well it, it, if someone who has the attribute of high confidence those are kind of the individuals that we try to seek out in, yes. in, in hiring. You want to try to find the really confident people because it's like you can, like you said, you can teach them the tangible. Mm-hmm. So their potential is in their ability to learn competence. Mm-hmm. I think what we are often provided in this industry is the cultural risk. We don't have a ton of role risk. 15 years ago I would I would argue when I got out of school we had a lot more role risk a lot more people who were confident in just jumping in and just doing it and trying and failing and through failure you're going to learn through failure you're going to grow failure you're going to do better Mm -hmm. that's what it used to be Mm -hmm. so even in just my career time seeing this shift where we have more people who were given effectively the same training as I was 15 years ago if I mean because again universities change so slowly the education is pretty close yeah um, is that we have have significantly impacted their competence. I'm sorry, confidence. 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 Yeah. Um, and again, just to kind of quick run through the, the things here. So uh, cultural risks are effective in their skill set. But again, this is where we have lost self-worth. Mm-hmm. Cultural risks are often quick to self-victimize, consider themselves imposters, and are unable to execute self-forgiveness. And that was kind of the last part that I wanted to get to yep. is it was this kind of self-forgiveness part. Yep. So for me, I have never... I personally have never been able to attach to that mindset. We kind of talked about it um, I think a few sessions ago, where we actually talked about just the act of forgiveness and going through after actions and the growth mindset on our creating accountability diagram, mm-hmm. that the only way you can go from rea- like being an actual creator in implementing an actual plan, mm-hmm. like you have to exercise forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to forgive other people, but it's really hard to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. So again, that's a that's a mindset for me where having been a role risk, I never had a problem executing self-forgiveness forgiveness, but again, when we're talking about this group of cultural risks where they just can't forgive themselves, especially especially when mistakes are made, if they already have low confidence, they can't forgive themselves mm-hmm. and then something, quote unquote, bad happens or a case doesn't end the way we want it to end or, you know, what have you is like you said, that's where you jump right into that global risk yeah. category. It's a rapid movement in this low confidence category. I would actually argue it's probably more difficult to go from a highly confident individual into a low confident individual um, if you were in an environment where you can learn. hmm. And that's why, like I said, through the hiring process, but also through our cultural process, we've really tried to focus on not hindering or not impeding the growth of or the execution of confidence.
1: Yeah. yeah, I, I would say that it is pretty dependent on the environment that you're in. Because yeah. like play out the scenario in an environment where it is a low um, learning environment yep. and they walked in super confident and then they absolutely trip over their own feet. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where disparagement's is going to come in hard. Yeah. Um, and they're just going to be kind of told like you thought you told me you could do this, blah, blah, yep. blah. And now like, especially if you pair low learning with low forgiveness. Yes. Like that, yep. like it might not be right away, yep. but if that person sticks around, their confidence will just like people will take them off of it. Like it will be an attack to break their confidence uh, because we've, Culturally misconstrued that process as accountability. Yeah, that is what people understand accountability to be right now, and it's probably yeah. the worst thing that could have happened to us culturally. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, unfortunately, this industry is no, it, it is not immune to that response. Yeah. Uh. So it, it, it both of these risks, you can. Um, you can curb some of the uh, the the, wor- the worst possible reactions out of them um, for role risks, having a, an environment that is very focused around learning, mm-hmm. for cultural risks, having a, an environment that is really focused on forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and, and also just kind of, a part of it is to, like, there is a part of affirming people in a way that's productive, um it, it, yeah. but but if you can have one of those two things depending on what you're and identifying what your risks are with these individuals ideally you have both right yeah. high learning high forgiveness then you're kind of you know hitting it on both sides you avoid that global risk scenario a little bit more um but the only way that you can really do that is by having people that are in fact star mentors
0: yeah and that so that actually then leads into the, the both sides of the coin. So yeah. if, if you if you are an employee who is in a working environment or if you are an employer looking at yeah. a group of employees or a new hire or something like that, it's actually both sides. Mm-hmm. So if you know you as an individual are going into a place of business and you need to rapidly identify whether or not there are mentors in that place of business. Mm-hmm you need to rapidly identify if it's an environment where forgiveness is even an option and not just on paper. Oh yeah, you know, we you know, we you know, we understand mistakes happen, these things happen. But it's really more of like, oh, can do they actually follow through with forgiveness when it happens or is their idea of forgiveness like I'm thrown under the bus and just deal with a kid. Right. You know, like that's that's not forgiveness. That's just saying, well, yep, it was your and it's your fault. We're just going to move on to the next thing, but then we're always going to hold it against you. Yeah. Right. Okay, That's not what that is. Um, but then, you know, again, it's, it's the same thing when you're, you know, trying to build a team, you know, as you, you want both, you want the star leaders, you want the star mentors, but a lot of, um, you know, and it's, it, it's not even necessarily to speak ill of any one particular generation. It doesn't matter, but it's more of saying like, well, really Like I said, 15 years ago, we were talking more about trying to build a skill set. And that's why we are practicing medicine. Mm -hmm. Like that's the term. I am in practice. Mm -hmm. That just by definition assumes that we don't have competence, Mm -hmm. but we have the confidence to practice medicine. Mm -hmm. So now we're kind of making this whole switch over to no one's practicing medicine anymore. Now we're performing it's like now we're executing. Now we, ha- you know, it, what do we joke about uh, with the, the millennial thing? You have to graduate uh, with five oh, years of experience. Yeah, yeah. You right know? away. So, yeah, right away. Yep. So we have to acknowledge that there are sort of these like socioeconomic, there are these cultural, there are these things that, you know, are put up in the way of growth and again like i said starts within the education system but is perpetuated in oneself Mm -hmm. perpetuated in one or multiple industries enough to just say no we are really sort of creating these barriers but if you as the individual come in with just a high level of confidence i can do this job but i need help Mm -hmm. perfect that's who we want here. That's mm-hmm. who we want to work with. And I'm not saying that it's, it's disparaging against the people who are culture I'm just saying that propensity to teach skill sets going to be much faster. The or execute skill sets. So I think,
1: like, I, I I think a big part of this is just naturally going to focus on imposter syndrome because considering the environment and the folks that typically listen to this, that's yep. going to be your biggest um, thing yep. that this is going to combat. But I think you r- really just hit on something in that that is really, really important is um, you can have confidence and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Like you, it is, um, that's a hard thing for people to like, again I think there's this misteaching or just misguided thought process in in kind of the way that we're being taught or whatever it is that to be confident I have to, be able to i have to be perceived as one who cannot error oh no. um and um
0: <laughs> yeah no astute observation yes yes is that you're you are impervious or right. you're supposed and, to be
1: and like to me confidence really should be circled around um yeah fall, In, tolerance. fall tolerance yeah because it's like how well can I handle it when I make a mistake? Correct. Um, That's now, confidence. It, to, the, right. In like being confident in knowing when I make an error, not if, but when. Yes. That I'm going to seek collaboration and I'm going to get all the way through the process of implementing a plan so yeah. that the problem doesn't happen again. Correct. And then if it does, I'm going to do the same thing. Correct. And I'm I'm not going to waver on my process. Yes. And that, you know, when in... Uh, Uh, 42 when I talked about imposter syndrome. Um, That was really what I talked about was like, you got to be able to trust the process, like know where it is that you want to go. But the more that you can lean into this process and be confident in your ability to fulfill it, the goals themselves will walk themselves essentially to you. Yes. Um, you yeah. can't, but don't try to jump to it because you're going to yeah. either be extremely low competence yep. and you're going to overstep your bounds or you're never going to be confident in where you're headed and you're not going to engage this process that brings them to you. Yeah. you. You need to have both.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's what this three-part series was leading towards, was saying, all right, so we talked about the creating accountability flowchart. We talked about creators and implementation and leaders and mentors and saying, how do we actually get to this level of success? Yep. How do we continue to have access? And again, to come back to the actual resource, the tool that we have and the tool that we're teaching is creating accountability. It's a deliberate process that provides individuals the opportunity to rise above themselves, to own the event, and to implement a solution. All of that, to me, is just screaming confidence. Rise up, stand up. And... When we start to talk about having an accountable event, having high confidence doesn't mean like you said it doesn't mean you're not gonna make mistakes. It means that you will make mistakes, but you're gonna engage the process. You're gonna engage the process of success. Yep. And again, when we talk about from an accountable event into fall tolerance, it's a once of once a fall occurs, an individual has the choice to collaborate or to divide. Mm-hmm. Growth mindset. Yeah. We just move into collaboration. We just continue to provide the opportunity to, perf- you know, to uh, improve performance and fulfillments. And that's why cultural risks are so difficult mm-hmm. because cultural risks, when we start to talk about imposter syndrome, it's that there is an inability to execute self forgiveness. We talked about this a few minutes ago, but it's. If you come into an accountable event and you end up making, you know, as a mistake or whatever it is, and you want to try to engage into this collaborative process of growth and success, and I'm going to do better next time, is you have to exercise forgiveness. You can't get from a problem to success without forgiveness. And that's why cultural risks are so difficult because you have to forgive yourself. So coming into then saying, well, we have these different resources, we have mentors, we have leaders, we have people that can help create plans, can help implement plans. But if that plan doesn't work, awesome. Then we can re-engage the collaborative process. Why didn't it work? Was our solution wrong? Was our plan wrong? Was the implementation wrong? And you get to break that down one part further And then as we start to improve clarity of the accountable event, as we start to look at the competence, as we start to look at confidence, we start to look at consistency, that's what leads to successes. And that's what leads to a high level of performance. And in the end, it's what we define, of course, on our Create Accountability Diagram as a growth mindset. It's individuals that are committed to the success of the individual and to the team. And that's that is that is full circle on sort of how we come through this star chart is, you know, really saying that you can start out, you know, as a new hire, as an existing employee, you know, as a veteran. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's as you really start to come into these accountable events, the star chart just helps improve conversation Mm -hmm. that's all it does why didn't this happen why didn't it work Um, and that's where even with our after actions when we had our after actions it was as people were talking I was scrolling through the on-screen pdf and just circling just being like ah you're talking about you know high consistency low clarity and it was starting to give context to the conversation and really focusing in on oh this is super easy this is how we're going to see next time
1: yeah, um, and that's uh, that was why when this tool originally came to be, it was li- literally a two-by-three yeah. card, like, just <laughs> yeah. have it in your pocket. Oh, yeah. uh, because, like, there are every part of this the, the, in, in – you know, as we've worked through all these podcasts and have covered the, this is literally, we've, we're 45, six episodes in and we've talked about one section of our ERT. (laughs) Not that we're going to do that for every section. Some of it gets really just, you know, it's necessary stuff, but, um, all of that is really pushing towards like, like two fundamentals of serve the patient in, yep. in the moment accountability. Like yep. that's really what these two uh the education system and in, in our in our culture and core values sections really push towards. And this tool of the star chart, considering these six variables, is you, we have these mechanisms to teach accountability and to teach how to implement solutions. Um, but over time it's about self-analysis, it's about oh, self awareness in the yep. moment mm-hmm. and like Just like if you feel like you just biffed or somebody points out that you just biffed, um, consider it in one of these six variables. What did I just miss? And, you know, when we're talking about these cultural risks, you know, that's going to be something that's going to be relatively um, predictable in the fact that it's going to happen in our environment. Um, You know, think about how confidence essentially got in your way. Like how much did uh, self-doubt predestine you to fail? Yeah. Um, and, and then ultimately how can you forgive yourself? Uh, because, and that's, that has gotta be like the hardest thing. <laughs> like I can acknowledge the <laughs> dichotomy of a low confidence, uh, and, and for forgiveness of self yeah. <laughs> It's like, I don't even believe in myself enough to forgive myself. <laughs> um, not yeah. an easy thing to do, but again, you, you just, um, you have to take action on it in some way, yeah. whether that is just, yeah. You know, I hate the term fake it till you make it. It's it's a terrible way to live. Um, But if you need to just project confidence in a way that might not be the super most genuine way of doing it, it, it's at least good to know the skill of projecting confidence. Mm -hmm. Don't make it a habit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I will say that the more that you only project confidence but you don't actually have it installed, um, that is actual imposter.
0: Uh, sure, uh,
1: that is uh, the, the game among us. Yeah, There's an imposter among us. <laughs> um, that will be interpreted. I, I always uh, refer to it as um, pufferfish syndrome as well. Yeah, so, sure, sure, sure. Uh, so yeah, don't peacocking. All that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but uh but but you know again always focus on competence as well um don't yeah. lose that um but I, I don't know if we really have that big of an issue with it overall like especially considering those that are just coming out of school like it's not like the education system does such a poor job in graduating people that are bad at what they're doing it, yeah it's really more about like understanding these systems and how they play together in our culture and um, basically pushing us into a low confidence scenario, even though we are highly competent or at, at a minimum have the, learning mechanisms to become highly confident. But again, we're talking about process.
0: Yeah, that and that's the last part of that cultural risk definition on, yeah. on the star chart is like cultural risks will increase confidence when exercising a growth mindset within a supportive environment. End of story. Mm-hmm. You know, that that one sentence basically summarized, I mean, a lot of what we both just said and just yeah. being like, hey, yep. you know, for us, the growth mindset is this whole like left and top arc of this entire creating accountability diagram. As long as you stay up yep. there, but you're in an, in an environment where you also have other people who stay up there. Mm-hmm. Um whether it be in school, whether it be employers or what have you, as long as you stay up, you know, categorically into that, that's where we start to talk about our performance levels three, four, and five. Um, And for us, once you kind of get up to that uh, performance level five, that's where you kind of jump over into being a star mentor and a star leader. Um, But really kind of the big thing is just getting to that point where you're maintaining a growth mindset. That's standard that's maintaining standard it's mm-hmm. not that you're always going to be hundred percent successful it's that you're always going to be hundred percent willing to learn um, and that's coming up to our performance level four that's where we say we sort of initiating collaboration to increase confidence and clarity mm-hmm. so it's just again the same idea of trying to improve and understand and self perceive there's so much work that falls on the individual um, which you know again can happen within a team um, you know can happen within a therapy session it can happen within any tool that we need uh, to sort of improve our confidence and clarity on an item.
1: Yeah, and the big thing too uh, in terms of increasing confidence um, that anybody can take action on because we talked really a lot about self-forgiveness. Yeah. Well, engaged team forgiveness. Yeah. Cause if oh, yeah. it self-forgiveness becomes astronomically easier. If somebody else is willing to forgive you, yeah. I'm not saying it's, it's, yeah, it's, the it's, it's not right? in the, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the one thing that's yeah. going to cross the bridge for you. Yeah. Um, but if you are in an environment where it is very unforgiving, yeah. even if you walk into that environment, able to forgive yourself, yeah. that will wane over time. Yeah. So the response is control what you can, right? Yeah. I can control what I put out into the world, yeah. um, and, and with that, you can you, you can forgive others and help them learn how to do that for themselves. Yeah,
0: and that's and you'll get the adverse as well. Yeah. So it's it's if for us. obviously, you can always make more money, but you can't make more time. Mm-hmm. So it's if you are an individual who is very. Uh, Adept at self forgiveness and not being in an environment where you have other people who other people who will forgive you, mm-hmm. um, it, that's a waste of time. It's the other way too. Whereas if you are in an environment that is open to forgiveness, that is willing to forgive, um, but you yourself can't exercise self forgiveness, you're going to continue to stay this cultural risk to the team. Mm-hmm. they like you said, it's this emotional currency. Mm-hmm. They're going to continue to put things into you, be like, you can do this, and you can do better, and you're just so great at your job. And it's like, but as long as you're like, no, I can't, but I really like you telling me I can say that. So please keep telling me I see you can do that. You know, it's like that's not what we're talking about. It's like you have to make those strides within the team. Um, and that's actually with kind of our, our three new hire veterinarians. I've been telling them now for what, nine months? Uh seven months.
1: Well, Lauren seven, and seven, Christina, it's been it's four been years. Bit, yeah, it's been a little bit
0: longer. But but yeah, so but what I've been saying now that they're graduated, yeah. I'm like, hey guys next May is coming up pretty quick and then you're going to be the experienced veterinarians and there's going to be a new student coming out that you need to help. And they're just like, ah, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, that's how this works. You have to keep moving forward and understanding that as you know, now just as a one year check Mark, I've been practicing for over a year check Mark. You can't hide behind sort of this rookie stature forever. Mm -hmm. Now we have to start to force you into a confident role or ha- having confidence at least as best as we can because now there's someone who knows less than you mm-hmm. you know who who is you know may have be less competent or you know understand policy procedure you know time allocation whatever mm-hmm. um and that's it, it can be very uncomfortable so it, w- what i'm driving at is it's when you start talking about the team's willingness to forgive the individual's willingness to forgive and if there isn't really individual forgiveness and you're stuck in this cultural risk it's going to continue to negatively impact the team and just like your scenario is kind of the opposite where if you maintain, if you're a role risk, you maintain high confidence. Um, I'd actually we had a doctor here um, just uh, last year or whatever who you know it's kind of the same thing you know really really high confidence but then I think what can happen in the team sometimes is that if you have individuals that are less forgiving when they make mistakes it no longer becomes a scenario of growth it becomes a scenario of reprimand mm-hmm. so that's kind of mm-hmm. a constant juggle is you know mm-hmm. you can't have constant reprimand there needs to be forgiven really any reprimand because no one's your parents um, but you know really the yeah, yeah, execution. In that growth mindset. But yeah, so I mean, again, I, I think that, I mean, brings a lot of ideas together, really. It does. You know?
1: um, one thing to kind of wrap up the star chart kind of as a whole is, I, I think it would be valuable, is to understand kind of how these three stars in star player, star leader, and star mentor are, um, they all kind of play together, because you actually, um, you accidentally said the thing that a star mentor does really well is it pushes people. Yeah. Um, star leaders are going to blaze the trail, um, and star um, star players again. There we kind of talked about it. They collaborate with both sides. Mm-hmm. They they engage the process. Um, uh, they you know they they are willing to be pushed. They are willing to get out in front. Um, they they kind of go where they have to be, um, and with. It's hard to have, um, yeah, it's it's really, uh, that individual advancement. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, All of those things, though, it's, in terms of, like, a team balance, um, it is really, really important important to have folks that are able to fit kind of one of these three categories across your team. Um, You can't have all leaders, you can't have all mentors, you can't have all individual performers or star players. Um, You have to have a balance of all of these things, otherwise you start to lose some of your variables that are gonna impact the the, um, success overall of the the clinic or the team or whatever it is that you're working in. but I, I guess to kind uh, of wrap it up, does, does that kind of make sense? Or yeah,
0: no, yeah, sense? I know what you're getting at. Yeah. It's you, you have to, and it's not just us continuing to talk about an environment willing to learn. That's, that's not just mm-hmm. the conversation. It's mm-hmm. also recognizing that there are other people in the team who are succeeding and there's other people in the team who are struggling yeah that's that's really what you're driving at is that you're going to have your star mentors your star leaders your star players and when we just have the star player category everyone's like wow well, you know i want to be a star i am a star player i want to be a star player and why aren't i and why aren't i and it's that's where we say all right well but because no one is consistent throughout their entire life 100 mm-hmm. percent.' so if we're Looking at that, I know we had previously talked about how this is a yes and no black and white type thing. So I really don't want to throw nuance into this, Mm -hmm. but just acknowledging that As we go through our lives, we're going to have high confidence, we're going to have low confidence, we're going to have high competence, we're going to have low competence, Um, you know, uh, clarity and consistency, performance and potential. And I think when you talk about a team that exercises forgiveness, um, it's really understanding the individual and understanding that the team is going to be very, very diverse, but helping people from day one just as much as you're going to help them from year 10 you know, is that we're all sort of in this, but having the tools and the resources to talk about how we maintain a growth mindset, Mm -hmm. um, it really pulls people out of division. It really pulls people out of victimhood and being rescuers. I would say that the victim-rescuer role is really, really, really prevalent within cultural risks. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the oh, woe is me type category. Oh, you're the best. Oh, woe is me. Mm -hmm. But really, I think what we're driving at is that, you know, be exactly right there's going to be people at every part of the team and it's okay to be at different parts of the team at different experience levels and clarity and consistency but as long as you engage a growth mindset and you engage in an environment that you're willing to learn and you're, you're willing to be taught that's how we save the profession hands down i like it yeah i like it So, <laughs> um,
1: I, I mean i think that kind of yeah pretty wraps much wraps up it up pretty well yeah. um so, yeah, I guess uh, as we're moving forward in the podcast, like I said, kind of in the middle here, we have engaged a lot of different tools over yep. the last 50 hours. Uh, <laughs> um, so as we kind of move forward we're going to be kind of branching out into some different stuff uh, kind of kicking around some ideas but if you have anything that you would like us mm-hmm. to talk about um, whether that you know what, whatever you really want like, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're open to a lot of different ideas um, again we're, we're kind of planning some different stuff here moving forward uh, make sure you subscribe so you can catch it as it's coming out but uh,
0: Dr. Carlo would you like to take us out? <laughs> sure <laughs> alright guys Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you learned something these last couple of casts. So uh, hit us up if you need anything. Thank you.